Sunshine Happy Pants Hour is on the air. Featuring the jack of all trades and master of none, Joel. Does anyone else smell fried chicken? Couldn't have picked a shorter podcast name. That's like a mouthful right there. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sunshine Happy Pants Hour, episode 195. I am your host, Joel, and I know it has been a couple weeks, but it uh, seems to be the trend lately. I'm having a hard time recording on Sundays, and that's really the only day that I have to set aside the time to do it. And at this point, it seems to be pretty much almost a done deal that it's every other week. I'm going to try to make it weekly if I can, but um, I hope you'll understand if things don't always happen that way, because... Life is um, full of constant surprises, and I never know what the next day is going to bring sometimes. So anyway, if you are not familiar with the show, this is my six-song musical mixtape uh, where every week I try to bring you new music or a featured artist. This week is a featured artist show. We'll get more into that in just a little bit. But uh, if you'd like to find me, you can find me on Facebook.com. Just look up Joel Happy Pants Hour. That's K-P-A-N-T-S. Uh, you can also shoot me an email at joelhappypants at gmail.com or on Twitter at joelhappypants. This show is available weekly or bi-weekly, kind of depending on the week, uh, through iTunes, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Pod Directory, Google Podcasts, and PodcastCollective.com, my home away from home. Lots of other great podcasts on Podcast Collective, so if you're interested in finding some new shows that are worth your time, go there, check it out, and uh, see what is available. Uh, I also do a couple other shows every week, including uh, a nostalgia show called 40 Going on 14 with my buddies Mike, Pat, and Josh where we talk about things then and now. We are just wrapping up October, which is our uh, Halloween season in the month of October. And uh, this week's show is all about the Amityville Horror, which should be dropping today as well. So you can find that through iTunes, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Blueberry, streaming Saturdays at noon on Geek Life Radio, as well as on Google Podcasts and PodcastCollective.com. And on our uh, online home at 40go14.com, you can send us an email at 40go14 at gmail.com or a voicemail at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. And on Twitter at 40go14. 
I also do another show with my brother from another mother, Killer Wilba, over there in Australia. Uh, that is called the Coffin Joe Cast, which uh, features a different co-host every week. At least that's the goal. And um, this week we had on Keys from the Awful Show back again to play another game of Screwed, this time with our buddy Nedimloss. So if you want to check that out, it is available through iTunes, TalkShoe, Stitcher, uh, Google Podcasts, and PodcastCollective.com. Uh, send us an email at CoffinJoeCast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, The Coffin Joe Cast. You can also uh, send us a voicemail at 661-434-5956 at 661-434-KWJO, like Nedimloss did this week. And uh, the CreeperCast, which is a uh, online horror review blog site that I write for uh, with Jeff. That is available at CreeperCast01.blogspot.com. Uh, I've got my ongoing uh, top 13 final girls list. Uh, I've got some new movie reviews that are popping up. And there's new content daily from us and a few other contributors, including uh, horror-related music, movies, books, television, you name it, it's there. So go check that out when you get a chance. All the music this week is provided to us by the artists themselves. If you like what you hear, please purchase it directly from the artist. Or if you uh, have a local record store that you frequent, uh, ask it to be picked up there. Ask for it to be... See if they can get it for you. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, if they don't have it in stock on like CD or vinyl and uh, solicit local businesses. If you are in Oak Park on Harrison Street, please stop by Val's Holler Records, uh, the former record store that I used to run. And uh, say hi to Val and Shane. Pick up uh, some Tori Amos. She will... Definitely know that I sent you if you ask for it because, uh, yeah, I've got a history there with her and Tori Amos. So um, anyway, we'll get to that also later. And uh, speaking of which, that is our featured artist this week, uh, Tori Amos, who um, is a, a longstanding personal favorite of mine. But again, more later. Uh, you can also check out my blog at a momentary lapse with joel.blogspot.com if you want to know when this show is available. That is the first place that is updated as soon as the show is out. And um you can also check out my defunct comic strip, Gregory the Really Angry Robot, on Facebook.com. Just look up Gregory the Really Angry Robot, and you will find the archives of that. So, uh, as you now are well aware, uh, Tori Amos is the featured artist of the week. The first song we heard tonight was A Sort of Fairy Tale from Scarlet's Walk, which is um, not... I mean, none of these are really, like, super, super recent records because I kind of... I've been still getting the records. I just haven't been nearly as into them as I used to be. Um, she's kind of been going through some phases that I just I didn't click with me as much as the original stuff and it's still good, but I'm kind of feeling that at some point it'll, it'll hit me. So I'm going to continue to kind of follow it until I get to that point. But in the meantime, uh, we're going to play some of the stuff that, uh, has been part of my, uh, lexicon of music for many, many years now. So, uh, the next one I'm going to hear is a cover. Uh, this is from uh, the Strange Little Girls album, which is all a series of, of different songs that she covered. The song is actually called Strange Little Girl. And uh, when we get back, we will get into the meat of the show. So here we go. Just beware 
And we are back. That was Strange Little Girl off Strange Little Girls by Tori Amos. And uh, as usual with my featured artist show, the first thing we are going to do is dig in to a little bit of backstory. And as usual, we resort to the most um, notoriously correct and maintained, well-maintained historical data website on the internet, Wikipedia, which... As you all know, I'm being a little sarcastic, but it's always a good resource for basic information. And since it's usually fan driven, uh, that's a good sign. And I know Tori Amos has got such a rabid fan base still to this day that um, look to her as being, you know, she may not be the Gaga status of worldwide phenomenon, but her, her followers follow her just as passionately as Lady Gaga or, you know, other artists of that ilk. So. I'm sure she has a, a Wikipedia maintained strictly for her about her music and her writings, etc. But um, I went to the standard Wikipedia page instead. But um, Tori Amos, born Myra Ellen Amos on October 22nd, 1963, American singer-songwriter, uh, pianist, and composer. She is a classically trained musician with a mezzo-soprano voice range, which why you need to know that, you don't. But it is here on the Wikipedia page. Uh, she currently is 53 years old and doesn't look it. Uh, she was born in Newton, North Carolina, and has been active since, well, they say about 79, but that's when, you know, she kind of started to uh, perform. She really didn't release her first album, Why Can't Tori Read, until she was, I believe, 21 at the time. And that was kind of a um, short-lived outing uh, with at least that style before she then changed up her uh, methodology and some things happened in her life that then kind of adjusted her entire musical outlook and thus little earthquakes happened and the rest is history from there. But um, she began composing instrumental pieces on piano uh, when she was a child. Uh, She won a scholarship to the Peabody Institute at Johns Hopkins University at the age of five, the youngest person to have ever been admitted. Uh, She was expelled at age 11 for what Rolling Stone described as musical insubordination. And if you've ever seen her perform, which I have lost count how many times I've seen her perform, um, I could see why they probably said that. But she was a lead singer of a short-lived 80s group called uh, Why Can't Tori Read, which I had mentioned earlier, uh, which that album is unique. It's it's not bad. It's It's just different from where she went. Uh, that was before she achieved her breakthrough, breakthrough um, as a solo artist in the early 90s. I believe 91 is when uh, Little Earth- Earthquakes came out. Um, her songs are a broad range of top topics, including sexuality, which is a big one, feminism, politics and religion. Um, the politics and feminism have always kind of been a little bit lesser than the religion and the sexuality, which kind of are interlinked. But um, even more so as of about... Once George Bush Jr. took office, she really kind of hit the political side pretty hard. Uh, Once her daughter started to grow up and began performing with her, then things kind of started to uh, shift again. But uh, some of her charting singles, meaning that they hit the chart somewhere, uh, include, uh, let's see here, and I apologize, I had a barking dog there in the background, Uh, Crucify, Silent All These Years, God, Cornflake Girl, Cotolite Sneeze, Professional Widow, Spark, 1000 Oceans, Flavor, and of course our opening track, A Sort of Fairy Tale. Uh, Her most commercially successful in the U.S. to date. Uh, She received five MTV VMA nominations, eight Grammy nominations, and has won an Echo Award for her classical work, which um, that's been something a a bit more recent. 
uh, where she has kind of started to delve into, um, she's got a, a, I want to say she did music for a, a musical that is uh, being performed, and I cannot for the life of me uh, currently remember what it is called. I'm just looking at it. Here it is, uh, The Light Princess, which um, was released on Universal or Mercury Classics, and it, um, I've, I've heard a lot of really interesting things about it, but I don't know too much about it. It's still, it's kind of the newer stuff that really is kind of outside of my depth since I kind of, um, you know, moved on and kind of continued to follow her, but just in a kind of tertiary sort of sense. But uh, she's a third child of Mary Ellen Copeland and the Reverend Edison McKinley Amos. Uh, she was born in uh, Newton Court, North Carolina, that we mentioned, and was raised in a very obviously Christian household. Uh, she was a PK, uh, having a, a father that was a minister. If you listen to her music and you kind of get into what her themes are, it um, it's no wonder that it was a bit probably of a shock when they started listening to her music and realized kind of where her quote-unquote, insubordination was coming from. Now, if you come from a religious background of any sort, then you are um, probably familiar with the term PK, meaning pastor's kid. But um, they are notorious for being um, a little bit rambunctious, rowdy, uh, kind of rebellious, and they uh, tend to kind of stray pretty far away from the church and its teachings, having been raised in it so heavily. Um, But... You know, with her, by the time she was 17, she had a, a stock of homemade demo tapes. And I guess, you know, her parents, despite, you know, at this point, I don't think she was into kind of the heavy religious themes that she was later. But her, you know, her parents were very supportive of her, were sent them out to try and get her, um, you know, notoriety or get her signed. And, um, you know, eventually it worked. It got her signed. And in 84, she moved to L.A. to kind of pursue her musical career and uh, was on the piano bar circuit in the D.C. area early on. Um, But then in 86, she formed the musical group Why Can't Tori Read, which is uh, misspelled unintentionally. Why, as in the letter Why Can't, K-A-N-T, Tori Read, which apparently she has a slight difficulty reading. um, But she would then go on to play with them until... You know, the album was released. And then from there, after the kind of disappointing sales of that, she had a six record deal with Atlantic Records, which was her home for quite a while. Um, And, you know, rather than continue on with Why Can't Tori Read because it was so kind of lackluster, she then went on to went uh, to write her own personal album, which, of course, when you get into that first record, you have your whole entire life to write and you get those personal songs with uh, things about you and um who you are as an individual that tends to kind of have an impact or a better impact with your audience because it has a more one-on-one sensibility to it. And I apologize if you're hearing squeaking in the background. It is not a door that is uh, having trouble closing. It is Lucy who seems to be uh, discombobulated today and doesn't know quite what to do and wants to lay down but um, can't seem to find the perfect spot. So that has nothing to do with Tori Amos. And has nothing to do with anything at all, but uh, just thought I'd let you know so you weren't thinking that I just need to oil my doors. So anyway, she went on to, um, you know, have great success with Little Earthquakes. Once Under the Pink came out in about, I want to say, I'm trying to find her discography here, 94. Okay, so Little Earthquakes was 92. I was off by a year. Uh, Under the Pink came out in 94. And at that point, everything just kind of 
went into overdrive and every album successfully after that boys for pele from the choir girl hotel um even to venus and back which was a double live well one half was live one half was not um she was just kind of meteoric i mean at that point in the 90s you couldn't not um you know see her somewhere in the media um playing out somewhere or selling out various venues it was also around this time that she stopped playing in smaller clubs and was playing you know eventually arenas because of her sheer size of fan base and uh, you know i was living in chicago at the time when under the pink came out so you know being in chicago that's a big hotbed for artists to come through and start and or you know have big stops on their tour just like new york or california so i had a lot of opportunities to see her many times while i was there and as i said earlier i really lost track of um, how many times i've seen her at this point because she's was so kind of constantly on the go um and it's not unlike the grateful dead or even the black crows some of the bands that have these uh followings that people would literally go around the country i mean there's been a couple of uh music films that she's put out that includes interviews with her fans and whatnot uh they are i mean very much true to the artist and like i said travel around just to see her play at every venue and i mean it's it's pretty insane but um anyway let's go ahead and jump into the next song because lucy is driving me nuts with the way that she is not wanting to settle down so we are going to go ahead and jump into spark this is from the album from the choir girl hotel and when we come back uh, we got more to talk about so here we go Here, here. She's convinced she can go 
That was Spark from the album from the Choir Girl Hotel by Tori Amos, obviously. And um, the next thing we're going to talk about is going to get a little loose because I originally had in here just the sub the header of crime, which uh, at the time when I was writing up the, the show notes and was going to be uh, you know recording this episode originally, there had been a recent kind of rash of criminal activity around the area. And I know I've talked about in the past, uh, you know, ever since I kind of have been living on my own and have, uh, you know, being on the side of town that I live on and being kind of smushed between two of the worst areas of the city, you know, there was a, a rash of probably right before the summer, a lot of shooting going on. Not necessarily, I mean, there was a lot of people that were injured, but it wasn't, you know, um, it was bad. So it kind of settled down. The summer was eh, here and there, hit and miss. But then here, just about three weeks ago, roughly, things really kicked up again. I don't know why. I don't know if it's kind of the last gasp before uh, the fall and eventually winter is going to come. Uh, yes, not unlike Game of Thrones. But it it seemed like there was a lot happening. Um, there was, you know, um, a person that works at the same place that I do that was held at gunpoint, taken in her car to go uh, empty out her bank from the ATM and then was uh, taken behind the local grocery store where she originally had been carjacked, I guess is the appropriate word, or kidnapped would be more appropriate, um, and where the person took off on foot, which still confuses me a little bit because if you're trying to make a getaway, it's probably a little bit more thoughtful to take the car that you're in and leave the person wherever you are. But um, I, if they had a car within running distance, I guess no, no thing. And I've never heard if that person was caught, but a little scary because it happened at three o'clock in the afternoon at the grocery store that I go to uh, major grocery store, good side of town, a very um, fairly affluent area. And the people that shop there tend to have, you know, money. And it is uh, uh, makes sense that somebody would go there rather than on this side of town where the people that live on this side of town generally don't have a lot of money like myself. So, so it, uh, it stands to reason that the crime would kind of float from the West side to the East side. And yet the East side people, who, um, you know, were very vocal about this after it happened, um, kind of were in shock, which to me, it makes, it makes sense. But, um, at the same time, it's a little frightening because, you know, I, I do live on that side of town because at the, because of my job, I'm there probably as much or more than I am on this side of town. So not more than two blocks from the store at a local restaurant, uh, there was another attempt by two gentlemen who tried to kidnap somebody or, well, carjack, again, probably the more appropriate term. But uh, some other people stepped in and prevented it, and those two people were caught within just not a, a, I don't even know if it was an hour or so away or from then at a a gas station fairly close from there. So those people were caught. There were two lockdowns at the local mall, which is, again, a a big mall everybody goes to. It's not a east side, west side thing. It's just a big mall that everybody goes to because it's pretty much the only mall, I think, in the area. Um they were locked down twice for, for incidents of shooting, which is frightening to think about because, you know, I remember when I was a kid and we used to go to the mall all the time. Um, 
and you know it's a notorious place for parents to leave their kids for uh you know going to the movie theaters or shopping with their friends coming back and picking them up later and it, you know it's it's kind of like oh okay you'll be fine you're at the mall well eh, anymore i don't know if that's the case so it's it's been for a while there it was a, a little bit difficult to sleep at night you know everything that you hear kind of makes you wonder what's going on now granted my home is about as safe as it can be uh, in terms of security precautions that I take. And I am very aware at all times of my surroundings. Ever since I was mugged back when I was 18, I am very, very aware of, of all things. I mean, just like in driving when you should look at, you know, each of your mirrors and in front of you, behind you, side to side, etc. cetera, uh, every four seconds, you should always keep that same logic when you are uh, leaving your car or walking from one place to the other. Uh, you should always be aware of everything that's going on around you at all sides. Be aware, alert, stay off your phone. Don't be listening to music when you're doing that. And, you know, apply that same logic. Because if you look like you know where you're going, you don't look confused or lost. And there goes Lucy again. Um, you look like you have a purpose. You look like you belong there. And you are a very alert and aware of what's going on. People are less likely to try and, and take advantage of that situation because you're going to see him coming. But if you're, you know, standing outside your car and you've got your keys out, you're trying to lock the door, but you're trying to check check a text message and you're not paying attention, you're looking down, whatever, you haven't moved your head from a downward position in the past minute and a half, somebody's going to see that as an opportunity to uh, take advantage of the situation. And Lucy is being very loud right now, so I apologize. Um, she is scratching her ear and uh, Basset Hounds are notorious for making uh, sounds when they do that because it apparently feels very good. So anyway, um, the other thing that I wanted to mention here, aside from the crime, which has just been on my mind a lot because of what's been going on and has made things kind of feel a little bit um, uh, more stressful because of that. Uh, it is also Halloween time. Uh, that time is here again. It, this month has just flown by. I remember when it first became October and I was excited to start watching, uh, you know, horror movies for the entire month. I mean, October is blocked out for nothing but horror and or scary things of some sort. It doesn't have to be like guts, blood, stabby kind of stuff. It can be this month, especially this year, has been a lot of universal monsters. I mean, I've been watching a lot of the uh, 30s and 40s and 50s classic monster films, which are a nice kind of departure from the bloody gut stabby kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, it used to be on this show, I would do a, um, a Halloween-based episode. And over time, I've kind of strayed away from that. Not intentionally, it just hasn't... It's, it's hard to constantly revisit the same topics. So... I just wanted to mention it that it's that time of year. It's my favorite time of year. The house is decorated. Uh, I was gifted the uh, painting of the Bride of Frankenstein this year, which is incidentally not hanging up in the living room. I'm going to wait until I can get it framed and get it up in a nice spot where it belongs and can be appreciated. But it was a nice touch to add to the season. Um, went out uh, trick-or-treating for the first time yesterday. I know uh, my kids are going out again today. And um, then uh, I'll be going out with them tomorrow night for the actual event but it's just, for me, it's like the, the best time of year because you look around, there's monsters everywhere. And I know I've, I've talked about this on previous episodes, but, you know, it, it just, it feels good to see all of this spooky, scary, fun, cute um, monsters and, and people getting into it all over the place. And so I can't let Halloween season go by without at least saying something about it. 
uh, because it is only two days away. And then from there, it jumps into the free for all that is the holiday season where Thanksgiving and then Christmas and then New Year's and then it just gets insane. So um, happy Halloween to all of you who are out there and are big supporters. I would love to know uh, what people are dressing up as, and I look forward to seeing those posts online. And I think the favorite costume that I've seen so far, which would be incidentally one that I would do or consider doing, is uh, ever since Saturday Night Live did the David S. Pumpkins bit um, last week on Saturday, it has just blown up on the internet, become a huge deal. And uh, a friend of mine, Jimmy Martin, who is a, uh, a actual movie reviewer, like travels around the country, is on television and does news programs and stuff, meets all the big celebrities. He uh, went as David S. Pumpkins this year or has a costume complete identical to the one Tom Hanks wore on Saturday Night Live. And he has two skeletons dressed up that are part of it. So I just I was a little jealous because it was pretty fantastic. But uh, if you're not familiar with David S. Pumpkins, look it up. It is just amazingly, and I love it. Amazingly? It's amazing, and I love it. So, all right, let's jump into the next song. This is off of one of the more recent albums. It's called Bouncing Off Clouds from American Doll Posse. And uh, when we come back, we got one more thing to talk about. So we'll see you in a few.
right, and we are back. That was Bouncing Off Clouds from American Doll Posse by Tori Wells. And if you are not a fan or you've never heard of her before, this may be just a, a mild education. I tried not to include too many of the radio hits uh, because I want to share the songs that I like, um, which incidentally, some of them do fall into that category. But if you are familiar with her at all, you've heard all of the stuff and you already know the stuff that is considered kind of her signature song. So I, I tried to stray away from that a little bit. As usual, I'd like to give you a, a good cross section of things that are out there. But anyway, uh, that is the most recent we are going to get as far as her music goes is American Doll Posse, which uh, that album is from uh, 2007. And she's since then had one, two, three, four, five other albums. So if that gives you any indication of what I'm talking about. But anyway, so the last thing I wanted to talk about this week was kind of my history with Tori Amos, because that's where things kind of um, it's all stem from. So when I moved to Chicago to go to school uh, in River Forest, this was in uh, 1993, I told you about my college experiences to some extent. Well, after uh, my buddy Matt you know, my best friend moved back home uh, from school. He, you know, left and I was in the room by myself. So it was just me. I had a whole room to myself for an entire semester. And it, um, as I've said before, is is not necessarily a good thing, especially when you're that age, you're at a new school, you've got a few friends, but you're not real into everybody. And you got a lot of time to sit and brood. And I've talked about uh, the, the film Threesome. There's a great sequence at the uh, end of the film where... Uh, Josh Charles' character talks about, uh, you know, how you have the time to sit and brood about the nature of things, and it's not healthy. You tend to throw yourself into a depression. Plus, uh, Kurt Cobain, uh, you know, was was murdered. Well, they said he committed suicide, but um, you know that happened, and that really hit me pretty hard at that point. So it was kind of a rough time, and I had just in right before then gotten into female singer songwriters, female artists, because before that. I had this weird thing about I, I didn't want bands that were from overseas, uh, or at least that I knew were from overseas. I don't know why, because uh, a lot of the hair metal that I listened to was definitely not from America. Um, but I had this weird thing about it, and then uh, female singer-songwriters, for whatever reason, I just hadn't gotten into at that point. It, it was just a, a stupid, you know, poor naive me before I was uh, into music sort of uh, mentality. So once Juliana Hatfield happened in 93, when uh, Become What You Are came out and came into my life and changed my entire perspective, um, I would go out and, you know, go to the local record stores and kind of shop around and look for stuff that either I, I knew was coming out or that I knew I, I uh, liked. But I'm one of those people, and yes, they do exist, who would buy albums based on the cover. And so I remember seeing a, uh, a kind of a display for this artist named Tori Amos. I'm like, I don't know who this is, but the cover was for Under the Pink, and she's standing, if you've ever seen it, she's standing on kind of a, um, it's kind of a grayish background. There's pink, obviously, going on, and there's just like this weird kind of globe of like almost glass or ice. It's hard to tell, but she's standing on the top of it, and I, for whatever reason, it just kind of struck me. So I, when I was there, I was, at this point, I was buying cassettes, because uh, CDs were still kind of a newer thing, and I they were uh, twice as much usually as a cassette, almost. So being a college student, I couldn't afford that. So I saw her cassette for Under the Pink, 
And I remember seeing all the, the press about it, and uh, I just thought it looked interesting. It sounded interesting. So I bought it. I hadn't heard it, didn't know anything about it, just saw the cover, liked it, seemed like something I should check out. And this was the first of, of uh, you know, the after Julianne Hatfield, which was kind of purchased on the same thought process, um, she was this, this was the second artist I had uh, bought and was kind of getting my feet wet, so to speak. Came home uh, to the dorm, went to my room by myself, uh, grabbed my my stereo, which was sitting on the back of my bolster, which is basically like a uh, uh, pull-out bed, like a couch that pulls out, basically. So it's a space saver for dorm rooms. But anyway, um, lay down. It was you know mid-afternoon, so the curtains were closed. It was kind of it was dim out. It wasn't dark by any stretch. Uh, you know, made had all the lights off and just kind of laid down press play and just listened just listened to the whole album which I love to do it it was always one of my favorite things to do when I was at that point when I had time to do those sorts of things um, rather than now where I listen to things in the car and I just heard this song called pretty good year and that's the first album our first song on the album and I know I played it on the show a couple times before but it just summed up everything I was feeling at that exact moment with my best friend gone, um, being kind of a new person alone, and this college was, you know, about a little over halfway through my freshman year of college, and everything about it just, for whatever reason, went right through me, and every song after that just was something like I'd never heard before, since I'd been so ensconced with uh, hair metal and, uh, you know, thrash and death metal and all this stuff in high school, and then kind of listening to my pop stuff that I grew up with prior to when I uh, got into kind of the metal thing. And then once I hit college was, you know, getting into, of course, everybody, when you hit college, you start to kind of branch out and listen to college rock and things like that. So I had all that stuff and it just kind of was this mishmash of, of music that I didn't really have a, a specific place that I called home. Um, but this really kind of spoke to all of those different things, but in a different way. And so it, became a regular rotation in my um, stereo that I listened to this over and over and over and over again. Um, I then from there went out and bought Little Earthquakes, which of course was the album prior to this. I eventually found a copy of Why Can't Tori Read at a different uh, record store that sold um, alleged albums. Well, this was a real copy of it that was a, like a cutout. Um, and it just all of her music just became a, a regular thing. And I made a couple of new friends because of her who also were fans. Um, I went and saw her and once I saw her live, it became this thing where I would, anytime she was in town, I would go. So, you know, she was back through pretty frequently. And at that point being a college student, I had more time, I had a little bit more, um, not free money. I had a little bit of money here and there to share tickets weren't nearly as expensive. And once I started working at the record store, I could get tickets for free as part of, you know, promoting the album the record companies would give us tickets to go see live shows so i saw a lot of the live shows i saw i saw for nothing um then came uh when the next album came out um and they did a whole thing for boys for pele like an advertising uh push and they had display contests and then from the choir Girl hotel when that came out they had another display contest so uh one of the things i did during that time was one of the, I would do the, the big window. I would trade off with uh, a buddy Jason that worked there. We would trade off doing the windows. 
So I did a window for this display contest and I won. Um, and the prize was a gold copy of uh, from the Choir Girl Hotel that I still have, has my name on it. And it's a real gold record, just like they give to the artists. And it's framed and it's uh, one of my prized possessions. And I, I, for whatever reason, haven't put it up since uh, um, I moved into this house. But I guess I just didn't really have the right place for it. But it's one of those things I'm afraid I'm going to bust or something at some point. But, um, you know, I, I went all out for this this uh, this window display. And I had a, a television in there that I had an extra television with a VCR that had the one of her video collections just on a loop. So if you would go by the window, you would see this on a loop. And I bought this subway size poster of her. And I mean, there was just a lot of stuff going on. Um, but anyway, it, it was... It was one of those things where right place, right time. And uh, she eventually, amongst my friends, kind of became known as the other woman. So if I was dating somebody at that point, Tori Amos was always the other woman in that relationship uh, as a, it was a joke. But um, and she's always had a, a, a sweet place in my heart as um, one of my favorite female artists. Um, and people kept saying when I had a, a daughter, I was going to name her Tori, but eh, it's kind of a pretentious name. So that didn't happen. But, um, anyway, I, um, am a fan and I'm glad that I can finally have a chance to share her with all of you. And I hope you dig it, but, um, she's kind of an acquired taste. Some people, uh, really love her and some people are kind of, uh, eh, hit or miss, but let's go ahead and jump into the next song. Uh, this is the title track from Little Earthquakes called Little Earthquakes. This is from her first album um, where she was on her own. And uh, when we come back, we'll close out the show. So here we go.
Little Earthquakes from the album of the same name, Little Earthquakes by Tori Amos. And thank you for uh, joining us for another episode of the Sunshine Happy Pants Hour, episode 195. If you would like to find me, you can find me on Facebook.com. Just look up Joel Happy Pants Hour. That's K-P-A-N-T-S. Uh, you can also shoot me an email at joelhappypants at gmail.com or on Twitter at joelhappypants. And the show is available weekly through iTunes, Stitcher, TalkShoe, uh, Podcast Directory, uh, Google Podcasts, and PodcastCollective.com. Also, check out my other shows, 40 Going on 14, available at 40go14.com, iTunes, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Blueberry, streaming Saturdays at noon on Geek Life Radio, and uh, available through Google Podcasts and Podcast Collective. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, just look up 40 Going on 14. Uh, send us an email at 40go14 at gmail.com. Uh, you can send us an, a voicemail at 708, now wrap, that's 708 669 9727, or on Twitter at 40go14 or at 40go14.com. I think I said that already. Also, check out The Coffin Joecast, available through iTunes, TalkShoe, Stitcher, uh, Google Podcasts, and Podcast Collective. We also have a website at uh, 
uh, coffinjoecast.com, which uh, doesn't get used a lot. We don't mention it a lot, but it does exist, and it is updated regularly when the shows are available, so go check that out as well. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, just like the Coffin Joecast. Email coffinjoecast at gmail.com, or uh, send us a voicemail at 661-434-5956 at 661-434-KWJO. And if you would like to be a third co-host on the show, uh, shoot us an email, let us know. Or uh, Facebook, uh, message me and let me know. I do all the scheduling for the show. And uh, we'd love to have you. If you've never done a podcast before, all you need is a either a cell phone or a uh, microphone with Skype access. And if you don't have Skype, we can do a call-in, I believe, as well. But uh, Skype is usually the way we do it, um, despite it being a little wonky. So, yeah, let us know if you'd love to be on the show. Even if you've uh, never done one before, here's your opportunity to hang out with me and Kilowoba. Uh, also, check out the CreeperCast, which is uh, my horror home away from home at creepercast01.blogspot.com. A lot of good stuff going on there, and new content is released virtually daily. Um, and uh, there's more good stuff coming. If you would like to write for the CreeperCast, uh, we are always looking for new people to join the the uh, uh, the creeps. And so, yeah, let us know. We'd love to have you on board. Uh, all the music tonight is provided to us by the artists themselves. If you like what you hear, purchase it directly from the artist or support local businesses. Go to your local record store, buy it there on CD or vinyl. Uh, especially if you're in Oak Park, stop by Val's Hollow Records. Tell her Joel sent you and that you're there for some Tori Amos records. And she will uh, tell you uh, some tales about how much she loves Tori Amos because of me. That's not true. Um, also, check out my blog in a momentary lapse with joel.blogspot.com. Uh, when the show is available, you will know it first if you are a frequenter to that site. Also, uh, my defunct comic strip, Gregory the Really Angry Robot. Uh, just go to Facebook, look up Gregory the Really Angry Robot, and you will find it. So the last song we're going to play after the outro is a long one, and I've debated back and forth for the past two weeks whether I wanted to swap it out with something different. But the answer is no. Um, because I just this is one of those songs that's a slow burn. And it closes out the record from Under the Pink. So you go from Pretty Good Year, which is a straight ahead three and a half minute song, roughly, to this, which is about nine minutes. And it's a nice kind of dichotomy between the two. And I love this song. And so if you are listening to it and you're like, is this going somewhere? Is it going to end? It, uh, it's it's a, a pot burner, but it, uh, it pays off. And it's it's an amazing song. It's called Yes, Anastasia. Uh, like I said, it's from Under the Pink. And uh, next week, hopefully we'll be back in a week. But if not, uh, in two weeks, we might be back with some new music. Um, I've already got some stuff in mind. And then we got a featured artist show coming up after that, which I already have a good idea who that's going to be. I just got to fill out all the, the details. So um, I always try to leave you with a little bit of, of thoughts, a little bit of words of wisdom. But, um, you know, music really can be a uh, cheap therapy. So if you're ever in a situation where you feel like you're overwhelmed, you need something to kind of complement your mood, whether it's it's positive or negative, music is the window to the soul, along with your eyes. So I love you guys. See you next week, kids.
It's funny. 